1: yo, oh. yo, yo, oh. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Shivani we bout to party, we bout to party, undistricted got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down, got that big space, pump and make them bounce now, Bouncing like they bossing in the brick. Welcome to AEW Unrestricted. We are the official podcast of all lead wrestling. My name is Tony Shavani, and on the other side is Aubrey Edwards. Hey, Aubrey.
0: Hi. Hello. How are you, Tony?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We are really excited about our guests because... Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, man. So excited. I, I tell you why we're excited. Not because he is uh, a great athlete and a great professional wrestler, but he's just a great human and a great person. Yes. And we need more great humans, great pers- people backstage in wrestling in life we do it's claudio castanoli hey claudio thank you tony can
2: i clip that introduction and just use it yes, all the time please. For when i enter a room or something or if i don't feel good i'll just makes me feel better <laughs> okay. thank you i appreciate that i just
0: we'll just put it at the front of your entrance music right
1: yeah yeah plays. that would be
2: great it will be like <laughs> what is it like the daily affirmation in the morning i just listen to it i'm like all right yeah now i'm ready for the day
1: yeah there you go. Uh, we started this uh, podcast about talking about the current, what's going on currently with you right now. And obviously you uh, have ties to the Blackpool Combat Club. And how do you feel about the Blackpool Combat Club? It's a pretty cool uh, group, I think.
2: It's awesome. It's uh, probably the people I would hang out with anyway. It's just a natural fit. When when I you know first came to AEW and the plan was to put me in the Blackpool Combat Club, I was like, I feel like I'm almost... I was an honorary member before. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it felt perfect. And it's such a, it's such a fun group between like, you know, Regal, Brian, Marx, Yuda and myself. I feel it's so different. Like everybody is so different, but it works, you know, it sure. it's not like four guys or five guys that like look the same and act the same and do the same things. It's like, no, no, it's, <laughs> we're all different. And that's, That's what makes it great because I feel like that's what that—that's the beauty of professional wrestling.
0: I feel like you're a you're like a collection of misfit toys that has all come together in a way that just magically makes sense. Like everyone looks at it and goes, "Oh yeah, no, that's totally how it's supposed to be." But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like you're all very different and whatnot. But um, one of the things that's not different, and you guys are uh, collecting a lot of gold right now. We've got at the time of recording, you know, Yuta is. Pure champion for ROH, you're the ROH world champion. Uh Max is the undisputed AEW world champion. It's only a matter of time before Brian gets a title. This is insane. How do you feel about just winning everything? <laughs> Being dominant,
2: uh, I guess. It feels great, mainly because we get to take these funny leaning, leaning back utter madness pictures backstage where we all just lean back, which is a lot of fun. But, but to me, the camaraderie is, is what's really important. And we actually we established, <laughs> it was like last week it was uh, we had a, a shoot prior to Mox's um, title unification match. And um, we kind of established the only <laughs> it was a, it kind of started as a joke, but it was funny because the only thing that matters in the Blackpool Combat Club is Uber ratings. Um, because, <laughs> because we are like the only, the only stars that matter are Uber ratings because his lordship has a five-star Uber rating. Are you serious? He, no, because I mentioned it because I mentioned that my Uber rating dropped from 4.91 to 4.89. And I'm very upset <gasps> because that means somebody would have to rate me lower and I want to find out who it was. And then his lordship just pulled up his and he was like,
1: perfect five.
2: And I'm like. I've never met anybody that had a
1: perfect five that uses it as much as he does. So it's very impressive. Wow. I was just trying to look up what mine is. That's uh 4.9. I don't want to know. Four, what mine is. 4.96. 4.96. See, there we go. You would You would fit in great with us. <laughs>
2: Probably a
0: solid
1: three. I'm nice to everybody on Uber, and I always tip. What the hell are they looking for? And I don't smell bad. Yeah. Okay. So I think mine was I used it
2: I used it after the gym and I think I sweated on the seats even though I cleaned it up when I was
1: leaving I had a yeah. towel with me and everything I cleaned it up I think that may have been uh, mm, yeah I may have farted I, I may have know. farted one time I don't know I don't know what it was
0: <laughs> that's why mine's a three I definitely farted in the car
1: all right well <laughs> anyway it's it's great to have you here with the Blackpool Combat Club and your Uber rating it's just great and your uh, your recent match was on Friday against Dustin Rhodes. Talk about working with Dustin in the ring, uh, a veteran against some newer talent. It's it, to me, styles make
2: matchups, right? So right. it's, it's, it's always a lot of fun, uh, working with obviously very young talent or newer talent, and then also working with somebody like, like Dustin Rhodes, who has been around for so many decades and they've seen so many things and has been able to adapt to so many different styles because if if you watch him he always has some new trick up his sleeves and he's trying new stuff and he never stops learning and to me that's very inspirational because wrestling always changes and you have to go with the times that's definitely something that that he does very well so to me step in the ring with him. I think it was our first singles match. We had a lot of tag matches all over the world, but this mm-hmm. was our first singles match. So I was, I was very excited to step in the ring with him and um, I was very pleased with the, with the outcome.
0: It was a really great match on top of really great matches. Battle of the Belts 3, you and Takeshita had an incredible match near, uh, I think, the end of his, his too much stint in America. It was like, oh, yeah, no, this is a great way for him to go out. <laughs> what was your feelings on that match?
2: yeah um I, I enjoyed that one a lot because i think he has so much potential He is still very young I think he's 27 years old mm-hmm. which he will still kind of find his style and who he truly is and i think once that happens because i feel you, you see that with a lot of japanese wrestlers or wrestlers in general they they start out they find something they latch to it they're going to become really good then they kind of try to find themselves. And then, you know, they're off to the races and he is such a tremendous athlete and so good already that I'm very excited to see where he's going to be in two or three years. And of course, for me, it is a great challenge stepping in the ring with somebody like him and see, kind of test yourself.
1: I want to go to uh, blood and guts in Detroit. Your move is the giant swing and, uh, Jericho, we understand, suggested you do the giant swing on top of the cage. Yes. Chris said, let's do it on the edge. Oh. Then he kind of freaked out and said, put me down. How did uh, When Jericho approached you with that, tell us about that discussion you guys had. Well, so he, he suggested, he was like, we need to do it on top of
2: the cage. And I'm like, sure, let me go up there and see, because it was my first time in that cage, or especially on top of that cage. And I kind of checked out wherever it would be possible. And I didn't think it was possible um, in most places because the uh, rigging thrusts with the big chains and everything that they have to up and lower that would have been in the way. I don't know if you can see it on TV, but there's a lot of like, stuff that's like raised and like lowered. So the, there's a lot of like stuff you can easily trip over up there, and it's like metal and everything. So the place where he suggested, I was like, yeah, that's that is possible, but you may, in my mind, like his body would be almost over the cage for a second there he was like, yeah, it's fine. I'll trust you. And I'm like, yes. Uh, but that's kind of, I trust myself too. But, you know, like accidents can happen. And I'm very, one of like, the highest priority is that, you know, my opponent is safe. Sure. When we when we went and did it though, as soon as I did like one rotation, I was like, oh yeah, this is fine. We're, we, we're good. I can do this for a long time. <laughs> but that's when then Chris, on the other hand, was like, no, no, we're done. This is good. This is good. This is good. Because all he saw was obviously, you know, being, what was that? Like 20, 30 feet up in the air, like, you know, seeing the crowd below him. And he was kind of like, all right, we're done. So <laughs> it, it made it, it made a very memorable spot, uh, for a very memorable, um, match. And I was very happy because, you know, it's so obviously my, my first time on Dynamite, you want to make an impression and feel like that left a good one.
1: How do you do the giant swing and keep your equilibrium? I've never figured that out. It, it seems to me that by the time you drop them, you would be staggering and falling down yourself.
2: I don't know if I have the perfect answer for that. Um, I think it's maybe because I've either done it so much or because I focus on my opponents. There was one time where there was a bunch of things happening that I was trying to figure it out. And I was looking around the ring and I got so dizzy. Mm. The trick I guess is to focus on whoever you're swinging. So then you don't get dizzy and, uh, you just, your legs get tired. <laughs>
0: What gets tired first, your upper body or your legs?
2: Legs. Uh, legs go first and then um, it's very straining on your lower back. So like usually a day after, if you haven't done it in a while, a day later, you're like, have I done deadlifts or something? Why is my lower back so sore? <laughs> and I realized, oh yeah, no, I swung somebody and held his weight for you know 30 times. So it's hard on your legs and lower back, but I never really had a problem with getting dizzy which is good for me but i know a lot of a lot of the guys hate taking it because they get very dizzy so i think it's hilarious
0: (laughs) you should just tell them to like look back at you you have this little moment of you know eyes locked while you're spinning someone
2: yeah yeah but then it wouldn't be fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's true uh so we talk a little about blood and guts but obviously we have to talk about your AEW debut at forbidden door brian danielson is hurt uh he says he can't Russell, Zach Sabre Jr., but he's got the best idea for who to bring in. I was very much like, OK, I think it might be Claudio, but I don't know. And like, I'm just kind of keeping to myself wondering who it is. And then I see rough assignments that morning and I see Bryce Remsburg is assigned to the match. And immediately I knew I was just like, oh, this is definitely Claudio because there's no other way. There's no no other way. This this just makes perfect sense. But I remember hearing at one point that like Brian had suggested, hey, let's bring in Claudio and Tony says, "Well, I was already going to bring him in. So, so how did this whole thing happen?
2: <laughs> Pretty much like you said, um, except I was. It was supposed to happen at the Ring of Honor pay per view. I was supposed to be a mystery opponent there, but then I was just a mystery opponent a little bit earlier because you know Brian got hurt, unfortunately. But it worked out great. Um, a to B, then uh, Brian's replacement is very." big task mm-hmm. and for him to bring me in himself i think that was very organic and worked out good in a story perspective great first week right with the Sex saber jr and then blood and guts and mm-hmm. so i mean doesn't <laughs> doesn't get much bigger than that so right. i thought i thought it worked out pretty perfect and most things in life i found if they're meant to be they happen organically almost right and then it just kind of fits and this was the, the same thing it just
1: it just fits it was a, it was a great crowd uh, at the United Center, which has always been a good venue for us and uh, they were really into what we were doing The Swiss flag pops up boom on the on the giant screen and everybody loses their mind pretty good feeling for you, right yeah <laughs> I mean <laughs> I there's no other answer it's yeah. just it felt awesome, especially
2: you know I took some time off and I feel every every wrestler will tell you that when they take time off when they're hurt they're like oh, I don't know if. People forget about me if they'll remember me, if they will still react or whatever. And I went through the same stuff, of course. And then you come out and that reaction and you're like, I oh, this is this is pretty awesome.
0: It was very, very awesome. And I'm I'm so happy you're here. This is absolutely great. We're talking to Claudio Casignoli on AEW Unrestricted, coming up. A lot to talk about, including his background in Ring of Honor. This is AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling. Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards here talking to ROH champion Claudio Castagnoli. You've actually had quite the history with Ring of Honor prior to uh, your long tenured history at WWE. You moved to the States to work with Chakara and Ring of Honor. Talk a little bit about how how that whole transition happened.
2: Well, I moved to the States and um, that's when Ring of Honor just kind of started. I wrestled for Chikara first and then uh, Ring of Honor back then had those do or dies, uh, like pre-show matches and I died so to, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> but I still got, got brought back later for some matches uh, with like Nigel and Alex Shelley at that point and then I was part of the CCW against ROH feud together with uh, Chris Hero and the Kings of Wrestling. I tagged him with him and then I wrestled in Ring of Honor for... Must be five, six years almost. Wow! I want to say from 2006 to 2011 when I then left for WWE, but that was a lot of fun and my first experience at doing TV when it was ROH on HDNet. A lot of a lot of great friends were made back then at Chikara and at Ring of Honor that I
1: now share a locker room with again. So it's awesome. Uh, talk about your relationship with Chris Hero because I know Chris Hero has uh, been around this business. He's not working anywhere now. And I've heard, to be honest with you, I don't know him, but I've heard great things about him. And some people don't like him. But o- o- overall, I think he really knows the business quite well.
2: He's a huge fan of the business and of wrestling and of, of wrestling history. I mean, he can yeah. probably talk wrestling forever and reference matches and dates that I wish my memory could hold. But it, it, it just can't. He, I remember when I, when I first came over here, he helped train me. Came like uh, on a tour of Switzerland and had like a little camp there. So I trained with him there. Then I went to the US, trained with him a bit there. And then I finally, when I won my green card, which is a crazy way to go about stuff, but I played the green card lottery and actually won. So there you go. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, I should have played the actual lottery too, I guess, if I <laughs> if I have that kind of luck. Yeah. But then I moved to the United States. and I moved in with with Chris. And we, you know, trained at Chikara together, and then started teaming uh, for Ring of Honor and teamed everywhere. Um, I haven't talked to him really recently, uh, but you know, he's definitely had, his knowledge of wrestling is insane.
1: Yeah, I, I understand that. This is not about Chris Hero, obviously, and that was kind of an off question. This is about you. Tell me about a very mysterious ice cream. <laughs> this is this is amazing because this
2: question gets asked a lot, and I love it because. I was only a very mysterious ice cream once. And for something that they once to have that long lasting life is amazing. There was a, a team at Chikara called the ice creams, Los Ice Creams. Uh, it was Ice Cream Junior and Elijo del Ice Cream. One day they needed. <laughs> yeah. One day they needed a third ice cream and it was a very mysterious Swiss ice cream. And that was, that was me. And I had a lot of fun being an ice cream. And I think that's, I need to see if I still have the lost ice cream shirt. There was a big a big hit at the merch table back then. It was awesome.
0: I'm trying to remember what mask you wore, but like did you have a like did someone hand it to you? Did you get to design it? Like how much of a heads up did you get in this?
2: No, no, no. So so (laughs) the ice cream's mask was one had a cone beard and the other one had a cone that just kind of came to this side of his head. (laughs) And and I believe mine was simulated. It just had a cone i think it was not a unicorn cone but like maybe the other side of the head
0: it was just out of the head
2: yeah yeah it was just a regular a regular ice cream mask with a cone on it as regular (laughs) as ice cream masks can be so yeah who knows like you just casually find
0: them at the store like oh yeah just a regular old ice cream mask yeah
2: no no it was it was made for me by ice cream (laughs) mr ice cream himself
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it i love it there's, there's a lot of Chikara history, and it being an AEW podcast, we kind of have to talk about uh, your match with Brody Lee. You guys were in the first steel cage match back in Chikara in 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it like working with Brody?
2: Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> it was, I mean, back then uh, Brody, I mean, back then Brody um, came down uh, from Rochester all the time. To um, the philly area for Chikara and uh other ring of honor and other groups i don't know if it was a ring of honor back then actually towards the end of my ring of honor run he was there him and Necrobutcher butcher went at it for quite a bit but every time brody came into town he stayed at my place i, I remember with one of my first paychecks from uh, japan i bought a new bed so i could finally afford it and um, i saved my old mattress though uh, so he can sleep on it because he would just sleep on the couch so and he had like his own bed and um so we always had a laugh and we always had like fun when we had our matches because we'd always try to do something crazy and to have the steel cage match the first ever was a lot of fun because i mean he still accused me every time he's got the chance to of uh whipping him in the cage into the cage too hard and thus he got color
0: which was a, a big a
2: big no-no at the super pg chikara but yeah he would remind me every single time that i made him bleed and it was because i was shutting him in too hard not so sure about that
1: <laughs> we we're talking to claudio castanoli and obviously you had a uh, a run in the wwe as cesaro I was just watching the other day you and uh, Jake Hager walking out uh, with Dutch Mantel and uh, doing that We The People and I'm <laughs> thinking you know, I listen, I've, I've known Dutch for a long time. I've always been a big fan of his and uh, talk about that that experience. I love Dutch. Dutch is awesome. I learned so much from Dutch. He
2: is such a wealth of knowledge and he doesn't he doesn't sugarcoat things. Like he just says it how it is and how he thinks it is and this opinion. And right that to me is very important because if I want to get better, I don't need to hear the wish wash around it. I just need to tell me how. And he did. And uh, we wrote together. He introduced me to some of his favorite country songs, which is awesome. They're still on my playlist. So thanks for that Dutch. And it was just one of those where like, okay, um, I think Jack was with, dutch already and then they just put me with them if i remember correctly right i try to make sense in my head how i would fit into the real americans but then i kind of i made sense of it it's like yeah because i came here and i lived the american dream so i am the real american and it it worked and i had great chemistry with you know hager with jake and with Dutch And we had so much fun. I mean, we wrestled the Rhodes brothers a lot. That That's when I was in the ring with Goldie, probably the most, you know, we would be beating up Goldust and Dutch would just be on the outside yelling. "Is like, oh, hi, the martyr. He's blown up and just making us try to make us laugh. And just, <laughs> it was, it was, it, it was really fun. He would, um he always had a joke. He always had a piece of advice after the match. I, I thought, I thought me and Hager clicked really well as a tag team. I, Probably one of the best tag teams to never hold the tag team championships.
0: I agree. Speaking of tag team chemistry, one of my favorite runs of yours at WWE was you and uh, you and Kid. Talk about that a little bit.
2: I was blessed with having amazing tag team partners every time I, I, I was teaming with somebody. And me and TJ have such, had and probably still do, have such a huge chip on our shoulder, and especially at that time. And it's crazy because we only teamed for six months to the day hmm. before he got hurt.
0: Which is insane.
2: Which is insane, if you think about it, because we did, we had uh, some pretty awesome matches um, that I have fond memories of with uh, New Day and The Usos. And we kind of helped New Day when they just started. Because I remember there were supposed to be baby faces. It was maybe a week or two after they got formed and we had a European tour. And they were wrestling against me and Tyson and we were in Dublin Island and they came out as baby faces and then we came out as the heels and the crowd was not, like they were having none of it. They had no chance and they just loved us. So we just flipped the script and from then on, they were the heels, we were the baby face, and and it worked. Like the crowd was super into it and we had so much fun. And me and TJ just from the first time we teamed, we found out we were teaming uh, over Twitter. It Was announced that we were in some tag gauntlet, and
0: <laughs> as you do in wrestling, you find out things on as Twitter. As you do, as you do, and
2: we talked as much as we usually do backstage. At that point, it was not that it was just that didn't really talk about the match a bit, but not like what we're gonna do. And we instantly did like two or three tag spots, just or tag moves because. We just clicked. We had the same mentality towards wrestling. We, we we still talk to this day about wrestling. We both wanted to get better. Uh, we both are very dedicated. Had a great road together, traveled together, uh, all the things. So for me, I was very lucky to be in a, in a team with him because he's such a quality human being.
1: You also had a great run with Sheamus as the bar. <laughs> talk about that experience.
2: <laughs> I think that was probably the most the funnest three years. I think we teamed for about three years. And it's because everything you saw on screen, like you saw us being from like starting as like co workers, that I was just like, all right, I guess I make this work kind of, yeah. to just becoming best friends. Because we were always, you know, we're both from Europe. So we have like similarities, but we were not just best friends. You're we just like co workers. You're cordial. You're fine. We talk a bit here and there, but we were not best friends. And we became best friends over those years and we are still best friends. That bickering back and forth, that's non-stop. They would tell us, okay, (laughs) we're gonna shoot a backstage here, you guys just argue and then you do this. And we're like, okay, cool. And we start and they were like, you guys can stop. We're not filming yet. And we're like, oh no, that's just that's just (laughs) us being us. So we had a great time, especially when we went internationally, we're going to all kinds of football stadiums and stuff like that. So if something is authentic, it will connect With the fans, I feel. And right, that's the stuff that you cannot fabricate. That's the magic. You know, there's always like, how do you explain that to somebody who doesn't like or doesn't watch wrestling? It's like you you can't explain it because it's that magic, it's that authentic connection that you have if something is real. And I feel nowadays, with all the media outlets that people can watch between you know, YouTube and Twitch and Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and whatever, if something is not authentic or if whatever that magic is if it's not captured people will not watch it and i feel we were able to, to capture some of that magic
0: love it absolutely love it
1: the dog is awesome tony <laughs> oh yeah he's burping at me to get up on his throne but he's got to wait till the commercial break
0: <laughs> yeah well well coming up we've got this commercial break so bug will get what he wants and when we come back we've got fan questions
1: We are talking with Claudio Castagnoli on AEW Unrestricted, Tony and Aubrey with you. Great to have you with us and great to have Claudio with us as well. One one thing I want to add before I get to the first fan question, there was a, on our notes here, there was the question was how did Claudio keep his appearance at Forbidden Doors so secret that day? <laughs> the answer is I know because he was in Tony Khan's office the entire day because I go in there like a stooge and, and hang out and, uh, I walked in and, and there he was. i went, holy shit. Yep. Yep. And, uh, so that was good. You did. That's very professional to do that. Anyway, let's go to the fan questions. Uh, beast wrestler 21 asks, if you had to choose, would you rather team with Yuda for the ROH tag title or Danielson and Mox for the trios title?
2: Ooh. Oh man. That's a tough question. Um, huh. Let's say Danielson and Marks for a trios title because mm-hmm. I feel like we need to get some gold on the uh, on Brian.
1: <laughs> Good answer, great answer. As a matter of fact, I
0: like that your answer considers someone else, not necessarily like you in that. Yeah, like just yeah. quality human being.
1: Whatever, whatever benefits
2: the the Blackpool Combat Club, you know.
0: <laughs> there you go. Just get all the belts. There's more belts if you guys get trios, so it yeah, just, like, yeah, increases. I don't know if you guys could lean back any further, though, in the photos that you're taking. Yeah,
2: I I don't know. I mean, we'll find out. We'll find out. All
0: right. I got a question from Squeezebox Woman. I love these names. Who would you like to have join you in the Blackpool Combat Club? Anyone from the women's division or an established tag team or anyone in your mind?
2: Yeah, I, I think Blackpool Combat Club could use a female. I'll pick Serena D. probably. I think she'd be a good fit. For the, for the Blackpool Combat Club.
1: Oh, perfect. All right. Derek LP wants to know how du- much does Ricky Steamboat mean to your professional wrestling career? I watched
2: so much Ricky Steamboat back in my ROH days, actually, because that was one of my first times when I was a babyface. And I was like, what better babyface to watch than Ricky Steamboat? And I got like a 12 for 13 DVD. That's how long ago it was. We still had DVDs. Um, 12 for 13 DVD collection of um, the best of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And he's amazing. I mean, the way he moves in the ring Mm. and the way, you know, he makes the audience feel, I think it's second to none. And then uh, when I got to go to FCW, he was there as a coach. And, you know, to learn from him firsthand was just, Really cool, and then you know, also like very special because you you know watch somebody on TV so much, and then he's there showing it to you, and you're like, that looks exactly the same. Yeah, I don't know if you ever had those things that happen to me all the time. We we're like, oh my god, that's that's just happened And then um he still looks great. He's seventy years old. Oh yeah, and he still looks fantastic. So that always makes me very happy when you see you know some of your idols or some people you look up to that are now older and they still
1: are doing great gives me hope you got a long time before you're 70 buddy <laughs> well i'm closer to 70 than not so yeah, okay
0: that's true very very true all right next question from anticlimactic jay what was your favorite match you had during your indie career and what indie wrestler would you like to go up against today
2: that's a very anticlimactic question. Um,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, I, I always have such a difficult time picking a favorite match because whatever I pick today, tomorrow I'll think of another one. And then yeah, I'm right. like, oh man, I forgot that one. So um, sure. I've been lucky enough to be in so many matches that I liked or so many matches that were cool for me for one or the other specific reason. So just because we talked about this earlier, jumped up in my mind i was part of the roh versus ccw cage of death match right which i it's kind of like the blood and guts um kind of reminded me of that because it's not something that i usually do but that feud was red hot and the people were like packed in the building and it was just an awesome atmosphere so um that was definitely one one of my favorites so today i picked that (laughs) and uh uh, what was the second part of the question um um being honest, I'm not completely brushed up on my indie stuff. Ooh. I know, I know. Uh, because I feel some of the best talent is on AW Dark, right? Yeah. I mean, that's where you can see all the best of the indie talents. And there's definitely there's a lot of talent on there that I still would like to get in the ring with, which is one of the reasons I came to AW. And I love it so much here because there's so much talent beyond what you can see on TV. And if you really love wrestling, you watch AW Dark on YouTube because it's just some of the best stuff that you haven't seen yet or that you will see in the future, which is always, I feel that's what the fans kind of latch out to. They want to lash on to, I should say, not lash out to. Uh, well, that may be too, but uh, <laughs> latch on to. <laughs> it's uh, who, who is going to be their pick in the future.
1: Yeah, it's good when we go to these different towns and see the local talent, and especially when the – I like it when the local talent gets announced and the fans pop for them, yes. you know, and they cheer for them. I, I really enjoy that, I think. Yep. it. And now, So now they've cheered for them. They watch them. Let's see how they do. So I, yep. I agree with you. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Marco Solis Martinez wants to know, Claudio, as a noble termite who loves your Twitch, what is your most anticipated game of 22-23?
0: Of course, Shivani asked the video game ooh, question.
2: Ooh, of course. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I know the answer for sure. It's AW5 forever. Hey. Right? there, there Man, you're coming. Uh, so, so here's the thing. So here's the thing, I, and this is true. I don't play as many different games as other people. Like I know, for example, like Adam Cole and Chucks, they play like almost every A title that comes out. Yeah. Me, I'm very much, I stick to my games. I like League. I started playing uh, Star Citizen, which is, It's insane. it's way too big for me and it's already like Mm -hmm. starting to consume me. So not good. But the one thing I really look forward to is AW5 Forever because every wrestling game I've played since No Mercy, it's just not as intuitive and that's maybe because I'm old. Mm -hmm. But I saw the first trailer of 5 Forever and I was like, this looks just awesome Mm. because I want one of the big parts of the video games, they need to be fun right? Mm-hmm. So I don't play like the Call of Duties and the uh, and other kind of games because they look real. Because if I want something to look real, I go outside and I don't know, I will go play paintball or go f- play football or whatever with my friends. But if I want, I want something to be fun and AW5, it just looks like so much fun. So I'll definitely be streaming that on my Twitch.
0: I love Very that answer. As, as a former game developer, I definitely appreciate just the focus on fun in games because that's...
2: Yeah, and so yeah. I get it. So, like sports, you can make simulations, right? Like NBA, FIFA. I'm a big fan of FIFA too. College football, football, like NFL, you want the simulation, but wrestling, it's you cannot simulate it. Like I said before, it's like, it's not, I don't know. Like ugh, it's the ratings and the things, like how, how do you decide though, right? Because yeah, in a James Bond video game you do not play daniel craig right so right it's one of those weird things so i'm very excited to see how five forever is actually like you know plays and is fun and that just yeah makes me happy yeah
0: i think the uh the way you described in the last segment of wrestling is that magic i think that's what you're looking
1: for exactly right yeah i'm with you i get on one video game and i just kind of hang with it you know same yeah what's your video game tony Halo Infinite right now.
2: Ooh, you're a Halo guy. With yeah. You ain't that I'm cold, baby. Yeah. Big Halo guys. I've never played Halo. Really? I need to probably try it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, I I don't like I first I don't like games and I don't get the games where you you're a hunter and you shoot innocent animals. Number one, I hate that. Uh, number two, I don't like games where you shoot other humans, but I certainly like games where you shoot aliens. <laughs> yep, that's a good point. Yeah. So I'm really into that, and I'm I'm <laughs> damn I'm a damn good sniper. God, I should have been a I should have been a sniper in the military or something like that. I'm great. <laughs> See, I'm absolutely terrible
2: at first person shooters. Oh, really? Same. My reaction time is so slow.
1: All right. <laughs> Outside of the ring. So <laughs> But I wanna I wanna I wanna try Star Citizen. Star Citizen. So it's this crazy MMO
2: where you can actually do first person shooting missions as well, I think against aliens, but it's it's just like a space simulator. It's like a completely different universe. Okay. You fly your spaceship. You can go on like package delivery missions. You can go be a bounty hunter. You can go be a mercenary. Oh. You can go do air combat. You can go explore caves. All right. It's so huge that it's still in its alpha. It's not even beta yet. Wow. Wow. They've been developing it for 10 years, and they're still in alpha. And it's insane how big it is.
0: Okay. If uh, if you're also into the space games and you haven't tried out Elite Dangerous, definitely something to check out.
2: I, I was just alerted about that when I started playing Star Citizen. I'm like, I don't need another one. It's, <laughs> But I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> it's,
0: it's good. Of, of Of my friends who have kind of touched both, Elite Dangerous tends to be the one that everybody tends to point towards. So okay. not going right. to take you away from Star Citizen. No, no, no. I'll, saying, I'll like, try. I'll try. <laughs> here's here's this other one. Here's this other one. All right. Completely different topic from video games. Nick Myers asks, share your thoughts on some of your dad jokes being in John Moxley's book. And uh, what made you love dad jokes?
2: So I didn't even know that they were going to be in the book. <laughs> I had no <laughs> clue which is exactly how, you know, that's a very, very John thing to do. I saw, I think somebody tweeted like a page of it and it had like a joke. And I'm like, oh, that's hilarious because every now and again I would send him a joke or, you know, he would remember one or whatever. And then I got the book and I was like, oh no, there's a lot of them in there, which is awesome. Um, I think there's just always been my sense of humor. It's the the very bad sense of humor, like puns and play on words and stuff like that. And I didn't (laughs) didn't realize it, but the other day I made one in the locker room and somebody just goes like, "God, how do you have so many?" And then one of the Chikara <laughs> guys is like, "He's been doing it for over ten years. It was ever since I remember." And I'm like, "Oh, really? All right, I guess I, I guess I have some practice in it." That's your shtick.
1: Uh, John K wants to know: Claudio has been known to do CrossFit in the past. Do you still do it? And if so, what do you like about it?
2: I do. CrossFit has been the ingenious has had the ingenious idea to brand functional fitness. I used to do crossfit before it was named crossfit it was just functional fitness and i used to do it because i found it was the closest thing to getting me in ring shape you know i would go on the like local high school track and like do like i don't know 100 meter sprint and then run up the steps and then do push-ups and squats and then do lunges and just just mash a bunch of things together and then crossfit started doing it for me so i still do my a regular kind of like weightlifting routine, but I always start and end it with what they call a workout of the day, which is just a functional fitness cardio thing. And that's what I love about it. What I love specifically about the CrossFit community is that it gets people to be active. It's not your gym where you just go in and then you leave and you kind of get intimidated or whatever. It's this sometimes just bare bones gym that you go to and you do a class and everybody is trying to motivate each other and everybody is just there to do their best it's been an awesome community that we i've been a child with wwe me and uh, rollins used to go to crossfit gyms and the community there i've i've seen more older and like overweight or whatever you want to call them people work out at a crossfit gym that i've any in any ever in any other gym and they always just do their best that they can. And they work so hard. It makes me want to work harder. And the community has been so great of like, you know, opening it up for us when, even if they would be closed or staying a bit longer or whatever, wow. it's been very inviting and motivating. And that to me is my favorite part that it helps people, you know, get in shape and reach their fitness goals.
1: All right, buddy. Listen, Claudio, uh, it, it is wonderful having you here on many levels. Well, thank you. Uh, it, it really is. You're, you're, yes. you're a great person to hang out with in the back and, You always got a smile. You're always very positive. I wish more people, not only backstage in wrestling, but in life were like you. Thanks a lot. And it's great having you here. It really is.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Let's do this again sometime.
1: Yeah, we shall.
0: This was awesome. We got a little bit of video games. We got a little bit of CrossFit. We touched on a lot of stuff. And there's so much more to even talk about. But, you know, we're out of time. If you want to see Claudio, you can see him Wednesdays on Dynamite, on TBS, or Rampage, on uh, TNT on Fridays, or... As he mentions, you should definitely be watching AEW Dark. Monday's on YouTube, Dark Elevation. And then Tuesday, regular Dark, old original recipe, also on YouTube. So this is Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards, along with our good, wonderful pal, Claudio Castagnoli. Thank you for listening to AEW Unrestricted.
1: Come on, throw your hands up, let me see you. Unrestricted, got the house now. We gon' turn it up. And make them bounce now Blousing like they bossin' and the freaks are coming out now